Hello, I am Andrea Combs coming to you with Salt and Light on Radio Tigerberg. And with me in the studio is my dad, Dr. Peter Hammond. Welcome. Thank you, Andrea. Good to have you back on Radio Tigerberg. It's been a while, but I am very glad to be back. So today we are discussing putting the greatness back into the Great Commission. So, Dad, can you tell us what is the Great Commission and why is it so great? Well, our Lord Jesus Christ's last command should be our first concern. And the Great Commission, which you actually get in four different versions, it's at the end of each of the four Gospels. You could even add a fifth at the beginning of Acts. Uh, but the Great Commission, the way most of us remember, is from Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So that's the Great Commission as summarized in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 28. Well, it's great because there's a great truth. Jesus Lord of all areas of life. There's a great commission. we to make disciples of all nations. It's a great command because we to teach obedience to all things at the Lord's command and is a great promise. The Lord himself promises to be with us for all time. Well, that is certainly no small promise. I remember as a young child, this is one of the first memory verses I learned in Sunday school or at least as um, at one of our Great Commission courses, actually. But we'll get to that later. You just mentioned why the Great Commission is so great. But this was issued many years ago. How does it apply to us today? Well, because we're probably most of us listening here in Cape Town are not from Jerusalem. So how did the gospel get here? Um, well, obviously, to people taking mission seriously, taking the Great Commission seriously, being involved in making disciples of nations and evangelizing and discipling and preaching the gospel to all creatures. And so here we are in Cape Town, the uttermost part of the earth, a very long way from Jerusalem. And uh, any of us who have the gospel have it because others evangelized and in many cases took the gospel overseas, took the gospel across borders. So this does apply to us. And mm. the gospel is a generational thing. Uh, as somebody said, the church is one generation from extinction. Every generation has to make the gospel their own. And of course, if, if any generation had failed, uh, well, where would we be? So we need every generation to take it up. It's like a mountain marathon relay race with the torch of the gospel to contend for the faith, to pass us on to the next generation. And of course, you're busy with that. God is a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, multi-generational. And so God says to Paul to take this gospel to Gentiles. Paul tells Timothy. Timothy tells reliable men and those reliable men to other reliable men. Also, you've got multi-generations. And so we should always be thinking in terms of our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. We should be thinking multi-generationally. And what legacy are you leaving? What are we doing? What are we doing to invest in the next generation? And this is not just for parents and pastors. This is for everyone, teachers, lawmakers, shop owners, I mean, everybody should be involved in wanting to disciple the next generation. Well, our generation first, but each generation needs to make the Great Commission their supreme ambition. And when we see a mess in the world, it's directly related to the failure to fulfill the Great Commission. So, for example, where do we have most of the problems in the world today? Well, funnily enough, where there's the least amount of missionaries and where there's the least amount of churches, least amount of evangelicals, where the Bible is least known. So, Basically, you could say that most of the problems in the world, if not all of them, directly relate to people either being ignorant of God's word 
or being uh, apathetic about God's word or being disobedient to God's word. If we were following God's commands, such as just take 10 commands, don't steal another man's life, don't steal another man's wife, don't steal his property, don't steal his good name, don't be jealous, envious of your neighbor, do to others you want to be done unto, would that not solve almost every problem we can think of in society? So all the problems in the world basically come from lack of knowledge or obedience to the word of God. And therefore, where the church has been most involved in proclaiming the gospel and teaching and discipling, you have the highest standards of freedom and respect for other people and, and respect for life and property and wildlife and conservation and trees and nature and everything. Where you have the least amount of impact to the gospel, you have the most problems. Highest suffering index, lowest freedom index, and you could carry on. So most of the wars, most of the terrorism, most of the violence, most of the persecution, most of the oppression in the world, even most of the natural disasters, incredibly, happen in countries where the gospel has not been strongly rooted. So I think this should, again, give us a very present urgency of why it's so important to take Christ's last command and make it our first concern. I absolutely agree. Now, you mentioned a little, uh, a couple minutes ago that we in Cape Town, South Africa, are truly in the uttermost parts of the earth. So to play the devil's advocate for a second, some may be thinking right now, well, we've already been reached. Where are we supposed to go? Because supposedly every place has heard the gospel. So you mentioned also that, um, sorry, you mentioned that we may have heard the gospel. However, we are clearly not living out this gospel truth as a society. There are lots of issues that could be uh, prevented if we actually focused on the gospel and living that out. So what would your response to that be? How can we actually reach people who have said, oh, no, I've heard about Jesus before. I'm okay. Thanks. There's no doubt that it's not just evangelism, but instruction. It's not just making disciples, but training those disciples to be disciple makers as well. And so the job of the evangelist is not complete until the evangelist are evangelizing. The job of the disciple is not complete until the disciple is making disciples. And therefore, when we look at our society and we can see this is not consistent, well, that's a time for a back to the Bible, Reformation revival. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn for the wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I will forgive the sin and I will heal the land. If we want God to heal our land, we need him to hear our prayers and to forgive us our sins. And he says to do this, he requires four things of us. Humble ourselves, pray, seek his face, turn from our wicked ways. So evangelism is the first step. Discipling is the second step. But how many times do we not be needed to be called back to God's mm. word? My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. So there needs to be a wide range. Now, when you look at missions, there is a term we use in missiology of E0, E1, E2, and E3. So E0 is evangelism. You're not crossing boundaries. E1 is you're crossing boundaries. So you take Acts 1 verse 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the utmost parts of the earth. So evangelism Jerusalem, your people speaking your language, your culture, your geographic location, no boundaries to cross. E1, Judea. Now the same people, same culture, same language, same religion, but geographically a bit further away. That's Evangelism plus one that makes it missions, uh, local missions. And then you get Samaria. Now, you're going to a different area. They've got different religion. They've got different culture. Uh, that You're crossing several boundaries, but they're not that far away. And then you've got us from parts of Earth, mm. and that's E3. 
Now, the way things are going these days, though, uh, you could do some E2 evangelism right here in your home city of Cape Town because in Cape Town, we have got almost like reverse Pentecost. We've got people from all over the world. You've got Hindus, you've got Buddhists, you've got Muslims, you've got secular people, you've got people from a wide range of beliefs and, and opinions and cultures and languages. You've got people from countries which are close to the gospel. You've got people from countries that where missions are illegal living in Cape Town. You could go just 10, 15 minutes from your home and you could be ministering to people from North Africa and the Middle East whose governments may not allow any missionaries in the country at all. So uh, there's actually a lot of evangelism to be done very close by these days because of globalization. And you'll need a filing cabinet of languages if you want to do ministry in everyone's languages just in Cape Town. And I remember when I only needed Afrikaans, English, and Corsa to distribute in Cape Town. Now, well, you need French and Portuguese and Swahili, and there's a whole range of other languages. Arabic. Yes, you do. So uh, ministry has gotten a lot more interesting. And from a Great Commission perspective, we should look at the missions on our doorstep. I completely agree. And actually, that is one of the primary motivations that my husband Hunter and I had when it came to moving back to South Africa. For those who don't know, I lived in the States for a good eight and a half years. I studied there, got my degree in communication, and that is where I met my husband, who had always wanted to be a missionary. Instead of thinking, let's go into um, a country in any country in the continent of Africa, we decided on Cape Town because it is so multicultural. We do have people from closed countries in our proverbial backyard, if you will, and we don't need a passport to see them. We can just drive down the road, as you said. So really incredible opportunities to share the Great Commission. We don't really have to go too far. No, and it's extraordinary how so many of them are excited, happy, hospitable, friendly. And, uh, you know, we've had people uh, with backgrounds from Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, Eritrea, Somalia, welcoming us into their homes. So, you know, we couldn't discuss in our, in our country and joining Bible studies, for goodness sakes. This is just, it's not that difficult. And many people who might be scared about oh, you know, ministering people from another culture, well, I find most people from other cultures very warm, very hospitable, very open. And you should say, especially of the Middle East, the Middle Eastern cultures are hospitable even if they very much disagree with you and they're looking forward to a nice religious discussion and argument even, uh, they will serve you coffee, they'll bring you in, they'll uh, be very happy to, to mm -hmm. discuss. There's not this closeness. So many people from the West aren't wanting door-to-door -door evangelism. But I found people in a book club, for example, extremely open, receptive and uh, hospitable and people would be surprised that it's not that scary and it's not that bad uh, because many of these people love discussing religion and they're very happy to meet with foreigners from their perspective and uh, to discuss these things. So, in fact, the door's wide open. It is. And truly, I think once we get over that initial fear, what will they think of me? Will I say the wrong thing? Just have a conversation. It's that simple. You make friendships with people. You develop friendships with them. You listen to their perspective on their faith and their mm. religion, if they have one. And then you share yours. And it's a mutual, respectful relationship and understanding. And most people are very interested in your testimony, what what God's done in your life. And we've all got a unique testimony, which may reach different people that another couldn't. But mm -hmm. not only that, but when you can offer the people a book, a film, a disc, 
uh, sometimes flash drive, depending on uh, films and uh, literature that they want. And many people are very excited to receive a Bible. They haven't gotten a Bible before. And the, the enthusiasm of discussing this and offering people a chance to learn the Bible, uh, again, there's many who are really excited about this. And if you think that people are closed and hostile, well, there are some of them. But generally speaking, most people are hurting, in need, and receptive and open. And again, you don't need to worry about the ones who will reject the gospel. There's far more who will be open. Yes, absolutely. And in fact, speaking of those who are more open, I would say as a whole, our society is a lot more open because we have had death essentially uh, facing us head on with the whole COVID era that we are now in. Two plus years later, people have lost many loved ones, either due to COVID or other uh, health issues, and people are thinking, what is going to happen when I die? People can't really deny the fact that there is something that must take place after death, whether it's nothing or something, you need to face it. We can't deny it anymore. So I think people are very likely to be more open to the gospel now, wouldn't you say? Well, yes, I think so. And let's not underestimate the impact of all the problems going on. There's a huge amount of chaos that's been caused by the lockdowns. Many uh, families have lost income, lost jobs, lost uh, business. And uh, so searching for hope. Yes. And really somebody being a good neighbor and reaching out and showing some love and action, some practical and uh, and wanting to engage with people. A lot of people also went through terrible isolation and uh, uh, fear of uh, meeting other people or going into public mm -hmm. places. And some people still are afraid. So uh, there's no doubt that at all times we should reach out. And in the Bible, we see that the Lord reached out to lepers even, you know, which is who were shunned because people were afraid of getting leprosy, which wasn't quite as contagious as everyone thought. But I mean, I've met missionaries to the lepers and I've ministered to lepers. And actually, uh, you can really feel for these poor people who are stigmatized mm. and mm. isolated from society. They desperately need contact and they need the gospel. Uh, but it's not only that, it's historically the church always went and reached out to people, not only lepers, but also when there was a plague. Missionaries and evangelists and reformers like Martin Luther and Ulrich Zwingli, they went into the cities where there was the plague and ministered people, even though they were putting themselves at great risk. And uh, Ulrich Zwingli almost died from the plague, but it didn't stop him ministering. As Christians, we don't want to run away from the needs we don't want to hide in our comfort zones. We've got to be willing to step out. And, and that's what the Great Commission is all about. Change lives, changing the lives of others. Forgiven sinners, sharing the way of forgiveness with others. Blessed Christians seeking to be a blessing mm -hmm. to others. I completely agree with that. Now, in the Great Commission, we've discussed going and making disciples of all nations. But the next command is to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Which indicates that you don't just share the gospel with them say goodbye, go on your merry way, there clearly is a continual discipleship process here. So what would your response to that yes, be? Yes, I'm afraid a lot of folks have got a very shallow view of what the Great Commission is saying. Now, a clear reading of the Great Commission, not just at the end of Matthew, but end of Mark, Luke, John, and the beginning of Acts, is we ask to do far more than just share the gospel. All authority has been given to Christ in heaven and earth. Uh, Lordship of Christ in all areas of life has got to be proclaimed. Go and make disciples of all nations. We're not called to make converts or decisions. I mean, it starts there, but we're called to make disciples. And we're not just to make disciples of individuals. Obviously, you start with individuals and families, which is vital. Families are the basic building block of society. 
but we're to make disciples of more than congregations and communities. The Great Commission is actually commanding us to make disciples of nations, all nations, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So it's speaking about complete submission to Almighty God and being incorporated into a local body of believers and teaching them to observe all things I've commanded. I mean, education is an essential part of the Great Commission. And historically, missions have not only established churches, but schools and clinics as well, ministering to body, mind, and spirit. That's mm -hmm. historically been the, the key pillars of missions. And we're not just to teach faith and a selection of a few of our favorite things. We, we've been instructed by our Lord Jesus Christ alone to teach obedience to everything he has commanded. So the Great Commission is greater than, than we would have actually thought many ways, and it's the lifeblood of the church. We cannot allow distractions and danger and disappointments or determined opposition to deter us from obeying the Great Commission. The lifeblood of the church is its evangelistic zeal. No matter what the situation, no matter how adverse circumstances, our Lord's command is preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. So when we look at what we've been commanded to do, so we've looked at Matthew 28, consider Mark 16 verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's very individual. And then at the end of Luke's gospel, Luke 24, verse 47, repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. That's very specific as well. And then at the end of John's gospel, John 20, verse 21, as the Father sent me, so I send you, says Jesus. Mm. And then Christ makes it clear to we to be his witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So consider it all together. Christ is commanding us to follow his example, to be sent even as he has sent, to preach repentance and the forgiveness of sins to all nations, to be his witnesses to the very ends of the earth, to preach the gospel to every person, to make disciples of all nations, to teach obedience to all things he has commanded. I mean, I think most people by now should feel overwhelmed because the task does seem impossible from a human point of view. Mm. Which of us can possibly feel adequate to the incredible responsibility of discipling the nations? Mm. But every command of Christ comes with a promise. When the Lord commands us to go and make disciples of all nations, he reminds us he has all authority in heaven and earth. He promised us, lo, I'm with you, even to the very end of the age. When the Lord commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, he promises miraculous power. And they went out and they preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word through signs following. And at the end of Luke's gospel, when the Lord commanded that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, he promised power from on high. And at the end of John's gospel, John 20 verse 21, when the Lord commanded his followers, as the Father sent me, so I send you, he breathed in them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And at the ascension, when the Lord commanded his followers to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth, he promised, but you will receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So nothing that God has commanded us to do is impossible. As we read in the book of Acts, the Lord went up, the Holy Spirit came down, and the disciples went out. A handful of disciples in the upper room went out and changed the world. And we are the beneficiaries of that how many generations later. Mm. So the greatest experience is to come to Jesus, but the greatest responsibility is to go for Jesus and we should love our neighbors as ourselves and we who've been blessed should seek to bless others also and we've got to point people to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Amen. Well in John 4 verse 35 it says lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already ripe for harvest. 
There's not much that we have to do. We just need to be willing and able. Yes. So for those who are thinking, this sounds great. How can I be better equipped to be able to live out the Great Commission? Is there any advice you'd have for someone who's thinking this right now? Well, yes, indeed. Um, First of all, the Lord says, look at the fields. And I must say, uh, what I found very useful is to study the different nations of the world and pray for them. And Operation World, which Patrick Johnson produced, uh, is a wonderful, wonderful tool. And uh, the first mission I joined, Hospital Christian Fellowship, I joined the first mission that visited our church and first missionary speak from our pulpit, Franz Grimm, I rushed up and joined him afterwards. And boy, they believe in prayer. So I got to pray through Operation World and, and met Patrick Johnson, who's now a member of our board. But uh, Patrick Johnson's put together uh, in eight different editions over the years, uh, the ultimate prayer guide to all nations of the world. Mm-hmm. Some of the history, some of the background, statistics, what the needs are, what the success are, what the problems are, who's doing what, where, uh, or what's not being done at all. And this helps us to pray more intelligently uh, for the nation. So look at the fields. Pray through Operation World. And they've got a website too, Operation World, uh, and uh, .org. And then also listen to missionary speakers, invite missionary speakers to your church if you can, or school. Get on the mailing list, read the missionary newsletters. Get to know about the different countries. Uh, I mean, how many people know that there's 12,000 ethno-linguistic people groups in the world. And there's 66 countries which restrict religious freedom and persecute Christians. 400 million Christians live under governments which persecute Christians. Do you know that one in five people in the world is Muslim? Do you know 13% of the world's population is Hindu? Africa occupies 22% of the world's land surface, but 41% of Africans are Muslim, North Africa. Do you know there's 14 countries in Africa which have less than 1% evangelicals? That's less than 1% that call themselves born again. And that includes countries like Mauritania, Morocco, Libya, Tunisia, Comores, Djibouti, Niger, Senegal, Somalia, Algeria, Gambia, Guinea, Guinea-Bissau, and Mali. And do you know of 500 million people in Africa who call themselves Christians, 100 million don't yet have a Bible or a New Testament. So the harvest really is large and the workers are very few. We command to pray for the Lord, the harvest, to thrust out laborers into his harvest field. So I think the first thing is to look and to learn, uh, but then to get some training. Now, I praise God. Early in my Christian walk, I got evangelism explosion training, EE. Uh, Dr. James Kennedy set that up, and that's a very, very helpful uh, program for evangelism to give you confidence to know what to say, how to answer different questions, and how to introduce the gospel. I mean, one of the questions uh, that they ask in the EE is, if you were to die today, do you know for sure that you're going to heaven or not? Or, or when you die, what do you think happens? Or what do you think is on the other side uh, of death? And to ask people those questions. Also, if God was to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? And there's a whole lot of good questions that help us to constructively lead mm-hmm. conversations. And then there's Way of the Master. Living Waters uh, has got a tremendous resource Ray Comfort, Kirk Cameron, outstanding, great materials. And so really what we need to do is, is to get good training. Now, we've incorporated EE and Wear the Master in our Great Commission course. So those people living in Cape Town, which should be most of the listeners on Radio Tigerberg, um, have an opportunity because each year Frontline Fellowship organized a Great Commission course. We've been doing this for 24 years. And we've had people coming from all over the world. I mean, from as far afield as New Zealand and Canada and even Russia and uh, and Europe, all over Europe and all over Africa. People have come uh, to Great Commission course over the last 24 years. And it's very practical. It's very uh, hands-on, very much feet on the street. So 
anyone who wants a very a practical outreach opportunity, we have uh, everything uh, from good training in how to evangelize to understanding different worldviews, how to evangelize Hindus, Muslims, animists, secular people, people of different worldviews, and how to be effective using Way of the Master and EE techniques and Answers in Genesis and other great resources. And uh, it includes everything from PT to hikes and outreaches. Uh, so it's a very practical course. And it's starting on the 24th of June. So from 24th of June to the 13th of July, anyone who wants to take part in an intensive training program, it's three weeks. Now, somebody might want to take part in part of it because they can't be free for all three weeks. That's also possible. Um, but we would also be available if there's churches or schools that would say, oh, uh, we'd like a Great Commission course team to come and minister with us. That can be done. So say you're thinking, we'd like to do some outreaches in our community, door-to-door, -door, literature distribution, uh, street preaching, whatever. Um, well, we could send a team to come and help with you. And it's so much easier when you've got some foreigners and that might attract more people from uh, your neighborhood to be able to do a, a church outreach. And we can provide world missionary press gospel booklets in different languages, help with the door-to-door -door evangelism or Bibles and New Testaments for people who come for counseling. So uh, we could come in and help. So if you're looking for a team to come and help you with practicals, because that's part of a great commission course, practicals on the street. Uh, if you want guest speakers, church services, or outreaches during the week, and it's from the 23rd of June to the 13th of July. So contact us at mission at frontline.org.za or go on the website, www.frontlinemissionsa.org, mission at frontline.org.za or phone 021-689-4480. Yes, and that is, to clarify, the 24th of June to the 13th of July this year. This is a few weeks yes. from now, folks, so don't hesitate. Sign up now. Reach out to your church. There may be people who are interested who have not heard of this yet. Get the word out. And again, you can contact mission at frontline.org.za via email, or you can call 021-689-4480. Right. And that is the Great Commission course. So if you are interested in actually implementing the Great Commission and that command from God himself into your life, consider the Great Commission course. There really yes. is no better fit for you. I mean, we've we've got 40 years of ministry experience. This year, Frontline's celebrating 40 years ministering. I've ministered in 38 countries over the last 40 years. That included eight war zones and three revolutions I've lived through and, and all that. And there's a lot that we've learned and we are able to bring in guest speakers and be involved in a wide range of activities. So a person will learn not just the theory, but we'll put feet in the streets and boots on the ground and and uh, people who t take part in a great commercial course end up climbing Table Mountain because after every day's PT and practicals, they will be fit enough by the end of the three weeks. So it's a uh, self-improvement as well as increasing military missionary skills uh, opportunity as well. Definitely. And it's it's certainly not one of those run-of-the-mill, sit in your chair all day and listen to lectures. The lectures are very informative, very interactive, but then you go out and practically take what you've heard and what you've learned and minister to those out on the street. Like There's you said, lots of the practice every day, everyday practicals. And this is us putting our feet to our faith. So if this interests you in the slightest, please do reach out again mission at frontline.org.za to learn more. And if you go on the mission 
frontlinemissionsa.org website and you look for upcoming events. There's a Great Commission course poster and there's some videos and pictures and reports and articles and you'll get a much better idea of what's involved and there's an application form there too. And if you can't go but you want to sponsor someone else to go, there's always people keen to go, enthusiastic, but uh, you know, one way or the other, they, they need some help with sponsorship. So uh, just think of whether you can either sponsor someone, whether you can go, whether you can send someone or uh, if you can organize some practical outreach opportunities, speak engagements for the team when they're in town. I should add that we're very soon going to be having the privilege also in J- July, second half of July, Dr. Philip Stott and Dr. Angela Stott, two of the finest creation scientists around, will be available for speaking engagements, churches, schools, uh, colleges, um, uh, on uh, creation science and creation versus evangelism. So you can also contact mission at frontline.org.za if you want these creation science speakers in later July. Well, thank you, Dad. Really appreciate all this information. This is Salt and Light on Radio Tigerberg. We just discussed putting the greatness back into the Great Commission. I'm Andrea Combs. With me is Dr. Peter Hammond, my dad. Thank you so much for joining us, and God bless.